I'm excited to share this message today. I apologize. I forgot the notes. I prepared them. I prepared the, the note page. I didn't print it and I didn't bring it. And I didn't even realize it until I got here and went to put it out. So I apologize. We, we don't have any access to the, the offices to get even blank paper for you. So we did the best we could do to find scrap paper. So that's all we have. We can post when we post the video, we can post the handout with it. So you can have it if you want to add it to your, if you, if you keep a folder or whatever of all of the teachings. I will put it on Facebook in a, a, a PDF attachment or whatever. I'll have Kent do that. He knows how to do that stuff. I just, I just let him do it. But, so we will have it for you then. But I apologize for that. So today, I'm going to be sharing part three of a, of a session that I've been sharing over the last few weeks. And it's actually kind of a four-parter because the first part, the foundation of this teaching is faith. God's part is done. That's grace. Grace and mercy. Jesus provided all that we need for redemption, for the fullness of redemption. It's done. It's finished. Our part is to believe it. That's faith. So these teachings that I've been, that I've been um, sharing over the last few weeks are, have faith as a foundation, and then each of the teachings takes another step into activating that faith, into releasing that faith, and receiving what God provided through Jesus. So the three topics that I've taught on are the first two. The first one was trust. The second one was hope. And tonight we're going to be talking about action. So what I want to do first is I want to give you a, a mini review and a definition of those four words. For the first one is, is faith. We're talking about faith in God and in his word. Because in this world, we can have faith. We can have belief. We can be confident and persuaded in our doctors or in our own abilities or in um, uh, alternative meds or in essential oils. We can have faith in a lot of different places. But we're talking about faith in God. Faith comes through knowing God. You're not going to get faith even through reading a book if you don't know the, the author of the book, if you don't have a personal relationship with God. Faith comes through knowing God and as you grow in knowing him, as you grow in knowing his character and his love and his faithfulness and his promises and everything good that he has planned for us, that's where faith comes. That's where faith is birthed. So faith is, my definition is, faith is a confident belief in God, a confident belief, and un, a belief in his words and in his promises. And that his promises are a done deal. He says yes to his promises. It's not something he's going to do. It's what he's already done. And the promise is that that's ours. It's our possession as the children of God. Trust is a choice that grows out of faith. We have a choice whether to trust or not. Trusting is a manifestation of our faith, in, especially in our heart and in our soul. I use the scripture from Proverbs 3, verse 5, that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we talked about the importance of leaning on God instead of leaning on ourselves. This morning I was at a, a, a Weight Watchers meeting, so now you know my, my secret. <laughs> I, I'm a lifetime member of Weight Watchers. I was at a Weight Watchers meeting, and the topic was let go. And it was talking about letting things go. And she was asking questions like, well, have you ever let anything go and had an, you know, and, and, and um, been able to be successful because of something you let go? And it was like, can I teach you <laughs> about letting go of control and trusting God? Can I share this message? Because it's a really good one. But I didn't. But that's what God tells us to do. He says to let go. He says to stop depending on yourself. Stop trying to reason it all out. Stop leaning on your own understanding and let me be your support. Lean on me. And he doesn't want us to do both because we get in his way. 
He says, just lean on me. Let me be your anchor. Let me be your support. That's what trust is. We got to get out of God's way. Trust, truly, a big part of trust is dependence on God instead of independence. The worldview is independence is a really good thing. But that's not God's best for us. His best for us is to trust, to lean on him, and to, to be dependent on him. So that was the, the topic of trust. Then the last week I talked about hope. Oh, excuse me. Hope is a step beyond trust. Because in hope, as we're leaning on God for support, as we're being dependent on him, we are doing it with confidence in him. We're doing it with an expectation that that promise, that done deal, is ours, whether we've seen it yet or not. Hope has an anticipation with it. That's what I love. One, probably one of the favorite, my favorite parts of this ministry is seeing that grow in you guys. Seeing you walk in when you were hopeless and now you are filled with hope. You are filled with expectation. You are filled with even joy in the middle of a trial because of this foundation of faith that is growing inside of you and because of the trust, because you're leaning on God and you're not trying to do it on your own, you become a new person. So today, we're going to look at the third, the third, um, kind of, it's kind of like on a continuum, although they do all happen at once, but I see them almost in a continuum, one building upon the other, faith, trust, hope, and today we're going to talk about action. We're going to talk about action. When we're talking about action, we take on the role of being an active participant in our healing. Action, a one, part of the definition of action, is causing activity or a change and being capable of exerting influence. Part of action is an exertion of power or a force. Now, Fran, when you were opening in prayer, I'm sure you had no idea what I was going to share about. But a big part of our um, uh, active participation is using the authority and the power that is ours as believers. We're in commission with Jesus. Jesus, part of his business was to defeat the works of the enemy. That's one of the reasons why he was manifest, to defeat the works of the enemy and to advance the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means the royal rule and authority of King Jesus over the power of darkness. We carry the same royal authority and power that Jesus carries, that Jesus carried when he walked on this earth. We're in commission with him. That means his mission, we're with it. The prefix co means with. We are with Jesus in his mission. But we have an active role to play. And if we sit back and don't step into that role and don't use our authority and don't exercise the power that we have as believers, then we can sit back and not receive the benefits. This is a, a, a key. This is a big key in receiving all that God has for you and living in the fullness of his plan for us. Here's another piece of the definition of being an active participant or taking action of faith. It also means an urging for right by which a demand is made of a right. Now, let me put that in the perspective of our right as children of God. Healing is our birthright as a child of God. It's part of our inheritance. Healing is the children's bread. It is our right. So part of this thing that I'm talking about today about action is enforcing what is legally ours. It's almost uh, taking the role of, a, of a, uh, a, an advocate or a lawyer saying that's 
rightfully mine. And I'm going to do what I need to do using my authority to receive it, to release it and receive it into my life. So today what I'm going to share are two or three different points about taking action. Now there are many that we could talk about, but I'm going to talk about two or three. The first one that I want to talk about is, and it's going to be up here, it's using the armor of God as a powerful offensive weaponry against the enemy. Using the full armor of God as a powerful offensive weaponry against the enemy. I haven't taught on the armor of God for a long time, and I'm not going to teach in detail about it tonight. But in the past, when I've taught about the armor of God, there are six pieces of armor in the Ephesians 6 scripture. And I, I, would, I looked at it from the perspective, because this is what I had been taught, I looked at it from the perspective of five pieces of the weapon being um, defensive, in other words, protective weaponry. And one of the pieces being offensive. But that, I don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I believe that all of them are offensive. We're talking about taking action today. And as I read the scripture about the armor of God, you'll see how each one of them is taking action. Taking action, mostly by knowing and believing what that armor is and applying it to your life. But it isn't just sitting back and saying, whatever will be, will be. It is actively using the armor, putting it on and using it, believing it, applying it to your life. And it is a powerful weapon against the enemy who's already been defeated. We are exercising our that defeat. We're using our authority to exercise that defeat. Say amen. Okay. So here's the scripture. Ephesians 6, verse 13 through 17. Therefore... Put on, that's action. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. That's action. Resisting and standing your ground. That is action. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. I don't know about you, but standing steadfast and immovable is taking action because the opposite is to just lay back and be run over by whatever's coming. Say, oh no, that's not mine. I'm taking a stand. I am standing immovable. I am standing firm and I'm standing victorious because Jesus already purchased the victory for me. I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. We have a choice and you're going to hear over and over the common theme that I'm going to be sharing tonight is that we have a choice to step in to what is rightfully ours instead of being passive. I'm going to continue verse 14. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity and moral courage around your waist. So the first piece of that armor is the belt of truth. It takes action to surround yourself with truth. If my Bible's sitting in my study on the shelf, I don't have a belt of truth on. I have a belt of truth sitting in my study, and that's not going to do me any good. It's up to us to surround ourselves with truth. That's what you're doing today. You are here getting truth, receiving truth. When you're at home reading your word, when you're at, at home listening, whatever, it, however it is you're receiving it, you are surrounding yourself with truth. That is taking action. The next piece of, of weaponry, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We need to put on and know that we are righteous in Christ. And to keep that in the forefront. To know that because of what Jesus did, we are in a state of being of righteousness. And that armor that the, that the soldiers wear, the, the breastplate isn't just on the front. 
It's also on the back. It fully protected all of the vital organs. Your heart. Your heart, your soul, your believing. That righteousness helps us to be in that position of knowing that we are in right standing. We don't need to worry about what we need to do or what we've done or what we haven't done. Because we know, because of the truth, we know that we are righteous. The enemy can't attack us from behind. We are righteous. Nothing can change that ever. As a child of God, nothing will ever change our position of right standing with God. Verse 15 says, And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace, in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. So this, this piece of the, the armor says to put on, shod your feet, put on the gospel of peace. Gospel means good news. Peace is what Jesus purchased for us. The chastisement for our peace was upon Jesus. Peace guards our heart and our mind. Many times when Jesus would, would heal somebody, when he was walking on this earth, he would, after they were healed, he would say, go into peace. Be saturated with peace. Peace in the Hebrew is shalom. And it means completeness. That's my favorite definition. It's got lots of pieces of the definition. It also means healed and made whole. It also means um, prosper and welfare and safety. But my favorite part of that definition is completeness. With Christ we are complete. We've been made whole. We've been made complete in every area, spirit and soul and body. And this scripture says, this piece of the scripture says to wear that so that you have firm-footed stability, so that you're not slipping and sliding and wavering and, and hovering back and forth. Stand in that place of sure-footedness, knowing that Jesus purchased your peace. It is yours. It is mine. The next part of the armor is, uh, let's see, verse 16. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And again, it takes action to have that shield of faith always protecting you. The shield of faith, the faith that says, I choose to believe you at your word, God, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what I hear from the doctor. I stand with the shield of faith, believing you, believing your word. I have the final word. No matter what the report says, no matter what my body says, I have the final report. That's the shield of faith. And it will literally deflect the arrows of the enemy. They may come at you, but they won't find a, a target. They'll be deflected. Keep your shield of faith. Keep your shield of faith uh, protecting you. And take the helmet of salvation. Take up, take up, take up. We have a choice. The helmet of salvation. Think salvation thoughts. The New Testament word for salvation is so-so. Wholeness, saved, healed, delivered, made whole, set free. Think salvation thoughts. Keep that helmet of salvation. Take it up and wear it. Surround your mind with the truth of salvation and the fullness of salvation that Jesus purchased for you. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. The, the, the sword is the thing that, that slices, that kills, that destroys. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. So every part of the armor, 
enables us to take a stand against the enemy. It enables us to use our authority and our power against the work of the enemy, who's already a defeated foe. And we're coming into mission with Jesus to defeat the works of the enemy. I want to share another scripture with you about the power of our words as a weapon. This is Job twenty-two twenty-eight. The scripture says, you will also decree a thing and it will be established for you. And light will shine on your ways. The word decree is an official order. It's a pronouncement. It's a legal ruling to affect something. Now remember, we're standing in our authority as children of God. When we decree a thing, and we're talking about promises of God, we're talking about the word of God, when we decree a thing, it will be established for you. You are saying, this is my legal standing. I am decreeing it over my life. I am decreeing it over this situation that doesn't really look like it's in line with the, with the, with the word or with the promise. But I am decreeing it. I am speaking it. I'm believing it. And God's word, remember, the word is a sword of a spirit, the sword of the spirit. The, the scripture says, when you decree a thing, it will be established and light will shine on your ways. So as a child of God, you have royal authority over any evil authority, over any work of darkness, including pain, including fear, including symptoms, including diagnoses, including issues of life, whatever that issue is. We have authority over it. And decreeing a thing is a very powerful step. It's an action to take. And you can take this scripture and say, God, you said when I decree a thing, it will become established. I decree pain go. I decree Jesus, you carried my pain. Therefore, I need not carry it. So pain go. You have no legal, you have no legal right. I have legal right. I have dominion over that pain. So decree a thing and it shall be established and light will shine on your ways instead of darkness. So that's the first nugget, that the word and everything we just talked about has to do with the word, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the gospel of, feet, of peace on your feet, the, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, decreeing a thing. It all has to do with the word. But the big point, the gist of that, that, topic is that it is a weapon against the enemy and we can use our authority with the word over the enemy that's what jesus did when the enemy was attacking him he said it is written and he used the word as a weapon against the enemy's strategies bless you bless you bless you bless you <laughs> okay here's the second nugget and it goes right along with the first one. Not only is God's word authoritative and powerful and weapon, it also carries creative power. Now, I've talked about this before, but we're talking again about taking action. So God's word also carries creative power. Hebrews 4.12, for the word that God, for the word of God is alive and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. Now, I'm going to add a word to, this, to the word, the spoken word of God, the word that has been received, the word that has been believed, is living and active and full of power. If my Bible, again, is sitting in my study, not being read, not being voiced, it's not going to be very powerful but it is when we use the word it is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow the deepest parts of our nature exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart i love that whole scripture 
when I read the whole thing, I just see the word clarifying truth and all of the lies of the enemy and just putting a a division and, and helping me to separate it out and showing me God's plan and good purpose for me and his promises and all this other stuff that the world buys. Uh-uh, that's on the other side. I see it almost as a sifter. I see the word almost like a sifter. And I have grandbabies, so I play in the sandbox with them and stuff. And they have the little sifters. And the big things stay in the sifter. And the little things fall through. And that's how I see the word. It just sifts out all the junk. It helps to separate it. It helps to clarify God's truth for me. The word helps my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. It helps me to become stronger and edified and fortified. Listen to this nugget. God's words are carriers, like little packages, little containers of faith. Because God is faithful and his words are faith-filled. So these words, when we declare them, when we speak them, are like little containers of faith. And it builds you up as you speak it out. Your faith just grows and becomes stronger and stronger. We're going to talk about that a lot next week or two weeks from today. Another scripture about the creative power of God is Isaiah 55. And Fran prayed this as well when she was opening in prayer today. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. So I'm going to stop there for a sec. The rain and the snow have a purpose. They don't fall to the earth and then go back without fulfilling the purpose. And it has an amazing purpose. The water that God is created to nourish our earth produces life the seeds that look completely dead and dormant become living with water they germinate they sprout they grow but not only do they sprout and they grow they eventually grow up and produce a harvest they produce fruit and not only do they produce fruit They produce more seed. So from that water, so much happens. Then it compares the rain and the snow to the word of God. It says, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. That's his word. The word that goes out of the mouth always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I sent it. That means it will complete the assignment. This is part of taking action. Taking action. Fran was praying this out as she was praying today. She was declaring the word, and she was saying, Your word, God, will not return void. The word void means canceled out. The word will not return void, but it will fulfill what it was sent to fulfill. It will accomplish. It will complete the assignment. I heard a, a story the other day, and it just really impacted me. And it had to do with, with the rain and the snow and the seed and the harvest and the word of God. When that word is, is sent out, just like the rain, the word is seed, right? The word is seed. And when that seed is 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 in the heart and when it is watered when it is watered as we continue to declare the word as we continue to feed on the word it gets nourished and watered and fertilized and it produces fruit right and but then that's not all then that fruit produces seed and then that seed produces more fruit so i heard i heard this analogy and that is that an acorn doesn't just produce a tree. It produces a forest. I've never grown a tree from an acorn, but I've seen those little sprouts. I usually pull them up. Those little sprouts that grow. And that little acorn can grow a sprout that grows a tree, but then the tree has more, many, 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 
more acorns, and it produces a forest. A seed doesn't just produce a tree, it produces a forest. And today as I was preparing, I was thinking about how that works in our spiritual life. When God, I'm sorry, when I was diagnosed with cancer all those years ago, and Jenny gave me a seed of truth that said, Cindy, it's God's will for you to be healed. Jesus paid the price for your healing. That was like an acorn that grew into an oak because that's what happened in me. I received that seed. That seed didn't return void. That seed completed the assignment of healing in my body. And I became that oak tree of a woman healed of stage four cancer. But that, that's not where it ended. Because that seed grew up and now I give seeds. And look at all the people that have been healed. And that's not just for Cindy, that's for every believer. The seed that is in us, the seed that grows up, the seed that is manifest in our lives goes out to others. I, I stood there today as I was just meditating on this and I was just in awe of the forest that came from that first seed. And it's going to grow and grow and grow and grow my whole life long with every breath I breathe as far as I'm concerned. So taking the action of declaring the word is so powerful. But we need to take the action. Jeremiah 1.12 says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. That's God's word. He says, He is watching over His word to perform it. Now, with all of that being said about the creative power of the word, I'm going to give you another thing to just... Get you thinking, and I'm going to be teaching on this in two weeks. Faith is not just having a need and knowing a promise. Faith is not just having a need and knowing a promise. Faith is who you are. It's not just a confession. It's not just an empty confession without a heart behind it. That's not faith. That's just words. In order for us to have that faith that produces seed, the word needs to renew us. We need to become transformed. Next week, I'm going to teach on transformation. I'm going to teach on renewing your mind with the word. It is another integral part of taking action stepping into faith it's not just words it's not just regurgitating words it is renewing your mind so i'm not teaching on that tonight but that will be the next topic that i teach on in a couple weeks okay here's the next nugget i want to i want to park here for a bit active faith we're talking about taking action Active faith expresses itself. I want to differentiate now between passivity, passive faith, and active faith. Active faith expresses itself. Okay, first I'm going to take a picture, take a snapshot, and try to give you words to see this snapshot. I want to describe what passivity is, passive. The definition of passive is not involving visible reaction or active participation. Passive means being influenced, being acted upon, or being affected by some external force or cause or agency. Passive means being the object of action rather than causing action. So a picture of 
passive faith would be saying, okay, um, I believe, I believe, I hear the word, I've, I've read the word, okay, I know it, I believe it, and then sitting back and waiting, not opening your mouth to declare the word, not surrounding yourself with like-minded believers, not putting on the belt of truth, just sitting and waiting passively for something from the external to come and take action in your life. Another example of passivity, and there's nothing wrong with the passivity, this piece of it, if there is active faith in addition. But another example of passivity is wanting others always to pray for you and lay hands on you and not taking a stand on your own. There's nothing wrong with receiving prayer. We want to pray with you. We want you to come and receive prayer. But we also want you to take a stand on your own every day whenever you need to take a stand. And even when you don't need it, do it anyway. Declare the word. Believe the word. Get in, in that place of praising God for the finished work and thanking him for what he's already done, what his word says he's done, and what you've already seen accomplished in your life. But an example of passivity is always going to the next healing line, always going to the next healing convention, always going to the next healing evangelist and getting prayer, 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 but not taking action on your own. Active faith is, and I've already said this, it's active participation. It's causing activity or change and capable of exerting influence, which is using your authority that you have as a believer, using your power that you have as a believer. James 1, I'm going to read two James scriptures about taking action. James 1, verses 22 through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It would be like me getting up in the morning, looking in the mirror, but not brushing my teeth and combing my hair and putting on my makeup. Just looking at myself but not doing anything about it. And Believe me, I need to do something about it when I get up in the morning. But... Whoever, listen to this, I love this line, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The new covenant has established the law of the spirit of life. We have been, we have been made free from the law of sin and death. And we now live under the law of the spirit of life. And this scripture says, as we intently look at the law that gives life, the law of the spirit of life through Jesus, as we intently look at the, the, the life and the love that Jesus provided for us, and as we continue in it, not forgetting what it looks like, but doing what the word gives us to do will be blessed. In James 2.17, the next chapter says, so too faith, if it doesn't have works to back it up, by itself is dead, inoperative, and ineffective. I want my faith to be effective and operative, not ineffective. So I'm going to do two things. First, I'm going to give you four biblical examples of people who have backed up their faith with works. I want to get this, this statement right. Who have a corresponding action that goes with their faith. I'm going to give you four biblical examples. And then I'm going to show you what that looks like in our life. So here's my first example. With each one of these people, you're going to see faith, trust, hope, and action. Those four words that we've been talking about. 
The first one is Abraham. But today, instead of talking about him believing for a son, I'm going to tell the story about when he was asked to sacrifice his son. His son was already born. He had already received the, the object of his promise. He had become a father. He still wasn't a father of many nations. He was only the father of Abraham. I'm sorry, of Isaac. Abraham was only the father of Isaac. And then his other son, who was from another mother. Esau? Is that his name? Ishmael. Ishmael. Thank you. So his promise hadn't been completely fulfilled, but at least he was a father. He had given birth. He and his wife had given birth. And then he was asked to prepare his son for sacrifice. Now, Abraham had faith. He was confident. He, had, he was fully persuaded in the promises of God. It says that in different scriptures. It says he was fully persuaded that what God promised he could absolutely do. He trusted God. He completely trusted God. He had hope. Even when there was no hope, this is before um, um, his son was born, Isaac was born, it was before Isaac was born. He had hope, even when there was no reason for hope. He still had a confident expectation. But now here he has his son, and God says, prepare your son for it to be a sacrifice. Can you imagine? Can you imagine trusting God to such an extent that you took action? And, and didn't say, no, I'm not going to do that, Daddy. He did it. Because, why? Because he knew, it tells us in Hebrews, he knew that he was going to be the father of many nations. God had proven himself faithful through his, through his whole life. He knew that God was faithful to his word. So he knew that somehow, some way, that son was going to live, even if he had to raise from the dead, he was going to live to be his posterity and to carry on that family line and to reproduce and to build a, a nation. He knew it. And so he prepared his son for sacrifice. He followed the call of God. He call, followed the direction. And then God said, stop. And he provided another sacrifice. This is a type and shadow of his own son that he was going to send to us, Jesus, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. My second example is when the Israelites came to the Red Sea. We're talking about taking action. To have your, your a corresponding action that goes with your believing. When the Israelites came to that Red Sea, God parted it. But then they had to take action. They had to step on that dry land and walk across the sea to their salvation, trusting God. And believing that that water was going to stay apart until they got to the other side. But they had to take the action. And they did. And they walked through the dry land to the other side of the sea to their salvation. They were no longer slaves. The next example is um, Peter. When Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter said, Jesus, I want to walk on the water. Call me and I want to walk on the water. And Jesus said, okay, come. He followed, he followed the, the, Jesus' direction. He followed his voice. He took that step. He took that action. He believed. He trusted. He believed. It didn't make sense. He'd never walked on the water before. He'd never seen anybody else walking on the water. But he did it. He took that step. He stood out of that boat. He got out of the boat. He walked on the water. And as long as his faith was on Jesus in his eyes, he was looking unto Jesus. He was on the water until he was distracted by the waves and the wind. And then when he sank, Jesus rescued him. But he took that step and he was walking on the water. And then my fourth example is the woman with the issue of blood. Once again, she had to have some sort of faith. She had to have seen Jesus and known his reputation. She didn't know at that point that he was the son of God or that he was the savior or that he was going to die for sins. She didn't know any of that yet, but she'd seen the miracle worker. At least this is my, my um, 
perception of the scripture. Then she said, I, I have to do, I, I'm expecting. She was expecting, wasn't she? She was expecting because she says, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. So she had trust, she had faith, she had trust. She was saying, I need, I'm going to lean on him for healing. Nothing else has worked. She was expecting, and then she took an action. She went to the crowd. She reached out to Jesus. And she received what she was believing for. Faith, trust, hope, and action. Each one of these people had corresponding actions that reflected their belief. So what does that look like in our life? Ken's going to put a chart, and this is on your handout that you'll get later. (laughs) Ken's going to put a chart up one line at a time. And what we're going to look at is a comparison and a contrast between active and passive faith. So the first line, active faith, does not rely on a physical condition to determine a spiritual position. So that means you don't have to have the final doctor's good report to believe your spiritual position of healed you were healed that is your spiritual position that is your inheritance you don't have to have the good doctor's report to believe your spiritual position of healed you don't have to have uh, uh, every symptom free perfection to believe your spiritual position that's act of faith. We've done teachings here that the, the title is Exalt the Truth Over the Facts. We can go to the doctor and not get the good report that you're wanting, but still know with all certainty and all faith and, and confidence that your spiritual position is completely healed because it's done. It's a finished work. And you can rise up in that position of faith in the midst of, and even a report that isn't 100% perfect yet. So active faith does not rely on a physical condition to determine a spiritual position. You can have a lump in your throat and say, I'm healed. You can have a pain a symptom and say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. I have the report. I'm not relying on a physical condition. I'm not looking at that lump. I'm looking at your word. You don't have to have a physical condition in order to believe with all your heart what your spiritual position is. That's active faith. Passive faith needs to see to believe. Passive faith is often waiting for that final report before you believe with all your heart that it's a done deal. Instead of believing that it's a done deal before you have that final report. The second line. Active faith can be heard in our words. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.13 that says, I believe... Therefore, I speak. We've talked a little bit tonight about the power of the word, the creative power of the word, and the, the offensive power of the word. Next week, we're going to talk about renewing our mind with the word. But when that word becomes a part of us, when it is deeply rooted and established and founded, you're going to hear it out of the mouth. Active faith can be heard. But so can passive faith. Passive faith often activates unbelief instead of faith. Because there is a, almost a timidity. There is a, um, a lack of assertive faith. Another word that I often use is aggressive faith. timid faith it can be heard too it it may also sound like talking about the problem 
I believe God heals, but I'm still feeling this. I believe God heals. I know that that's what the Bible says, but I'm still experiencing this. I believe God heals, but the doctor's report isn't following suit. Passive faith can also be heard in your words. The third line, active faith has a corresponding action that reflects faith. Just like the woman with the issue of blood and, and Abraham and, and Isaac and, and the biblical stories we shared. Active faith has a corresponding action. Now, what does that look like in our life? It might look as simple as getting up and taking a shower instead of staying in bed. It might look as simple as putting a smile on your face when you don't feel like smiling. It might look like praising and worshiping God in the midst of the battle when you don't feel like praising and worshiping God. It might look like coming up, get, getting up and coming to Jesus Christ heals today, even when you're exhausted. There is a corresponding action that reflects your faith. Passive faith often sits back and waits on God to do something he's already done. You're sitting waiting on God to do the healing, but he's already done it. You're waiting on God to, to see something, but he's already done it. And the fourth line, active faith. Active faith has an attitude. Fran, you, you have probably the best attitude I've ever seen. And, and that's speaking, I love your, 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 your powerhouse attitude of faith. Active faith has an attitude. It has an attitude. It is absolutely confident in the promises of God. No matter what. No matter what you see. No matter what you feel. No matter what you hear. No matter what you're surrounded with. It has an attitude. Sometimes we need to give an attitude. Not sometimes. We need to live with an attitude of faith. Certainty. Confidence. Boldness. One of the, the, the easiest ways for me to express that attitude of faith is to declare the word of God. And when I declare the word of God, I don't whisper it. I, I mean, I can whisper it if, I, if I'm in an environment where I'm not able to be assertive. But if I'm home, I'm not whispering. I am assertively actively declaring the word of God. And I'm usually walking and just almost like, just get out of my way, devil. I'm, I'm on the mission here. And I'm just pacing and declaring the word of God and I'm doing it with boldness. When I pray with people on the phone, if you've ever called with me and I'm praying with you, that's what I'm doing. I am walking up and down my hallway or in my kitchen and I'm declaring the word over you and I am actively, assertively, actively, Stirring up that faith that's in me to connect with the power of the Holy Spirit. So active faith has an attitude. Passive faith is timid. It lacks confidence in God's willingness to uphold his promises. It's kind of quiet. Now here's some good news. God, by grace, has provided it all. But we have complete freedom of choice whether God's perfect will for us comes to pass. It doesn't happen without our cooperation. The action part is so very important. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I quote the scripture all the time, and I'm guilty of not quoting the second half. I say, oh, I love Ephesians 3.20, above and beyond, all that I could ask, dream, or desire. God gives me, he's so good to me, he loves me so much. But the reason that the blessings come and the over and above comes is because of the power that's working in me. And that's faith. That's active faith. That's the power of God connecting 
with my soul, the power that's already done, co- connecting with my faith, my believing, my choosing, and then that can come into my life. It can come into your life according to the power that works in you. Are you agreeing with God? Are you actively agreeing with him or are you agreeing with the enemy? The, the above and beyond amazing blessings of God come according to the power that's working in you. Agreeing with God. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, that's an action. Get out of here. Whoever says to that mountain, be removed. Be cast into the sea. And doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes. That's action. Believes. Chooses to believe. Whoever speaks to that mountain and says, go, and then believes, God says, go, God, this is God's will. God says, no sickness in my body. So I tell it to go and I believe it has to go because Jesus already paid for it. When we speak and when we believe, we will have whatever, whatever we say. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And that word receive, a better translation is believe that you have taken. Believe that you have taken them or that that thing that, that has been promised to you. Remember the children's bread. If it's a promise of God, it's the children's bread. And you're a child. It's yours. It's part of your inheritance. So believe that you've taken it. When you speak to the mountain... Let's say in, let's, let's use a specific example. Let's say I'm believing for healing of a pain in my body. I'm believing. I've spoken to that pain. I've commanded it to go. By the way, my knee is 100% better. Thank you, Jesus. I spoke to that mountain. I told it to go. And I said, uh, I, when I did it, when I spoke, when I told it to go, it says, I believe I've taken it. I didn't feel it 100% right away. But believe that you've taken it and it will be yours. And now it's 100%. Praise you, Jesus. So we need to take it. Jesus provided this tremendous gift. It's part of redemption. Take it. Take back the ground the enemy's stolen. Stay angry at sickness. Hate what God hates. Love what he loves. Don't make peace with the devil's plan. This is all active faith, guys. We have authority. We have dominion and power over all of the the things in the kingdom of God. The enemy is an illegal intruder. And he has no authority in our temple. But guess what? You're the boss of your temple. Act like it. Act like it. You're the boss. Be a good leader. Be a boss. Whether it's a cold or a cancer, whether it's a, 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 you know, a sore toe, or whether it's huge chronic illness, don't carry any of the devil in your body. We have a choice. If you make peace with it, You'll have it. Matthew 11, verses 11 and 12. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So this scripture is saying that all of us, all of us who are in the kingdom of heaven, all of us who are the king's kids are greater than John the Baptist because John the Baptist lived before Jesus sacrificed his life for us. He died before Jesus paid the ultimate price. So all of us have the authority and power that John the Baptist didn't carry. Now listen to this. And from the days of John the Baptist until today, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize, 
A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Now that kingdom of heaven doesn't mean heaven after you die. That means kingdom of heaven resides in me. We are called to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We are called to destroy the works of darkness and advance God's kingdom. And it says here that, yeah, there's going to be assault. We see it in this world like crazy. But those who have this precious prize, it's good, it's awesome. It is sought with the most ardent zeal and the intense exertion. It takes action. Sitting back and doing nothing, we're not going to be advancing the kingdom. We're not going to be defeating the works of darkness if we're sitting in passivity. The violent take it by force. You can't fight the devil under the bed. You need to get out. Okay, the last point I want to make. Part of active faith is persevering in it. This is one of my favorite scriptures for this season I'm in. My, my favorite scriptures change often, but this is my fav- one of my favorites now, and I share it all the time. It's Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. God says, don't compromise. Be steadfast. Stand in patient endurance. And you get, you just watch. You will enjoy, receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. But don't compromise. Don't make peace. Don't sit back and be passive. In Joshua 1.9, this is my last scripture. This is my command. This is a command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says, he tells us, you be strong. Denise, you be strong. You be courageous. Don't be discouraged. God's with you. He's for you. He's done it all. But don't lie back and wait to be attacked. Take a stand. Now, there is a word that God has been stirring in me the last two days. Can't, I haven't even told you this yet. And the word is fortitude. And this is for Cindy, but it's so good. I thought you might like it too. But it's definitely a a word that God has given me for me. Fortitude. The definition of fortitude, first of all, um, I want to compare it to um, something in the physical realm. In, In working out, in exercising right now, and in all of the stuff that's out there, the current best practices with with taking care of your body, they talk a lot about core strength. And I've started doing some exercises for my core. I've never done them before. And I am very, um, uh, I've seen the difference, put it like that. I've really seen the difference in these core exercises I'm doing. I feel a lot stronger in my core. I never even realized I needed that. But this word fortitude is the same thing in your emotions. It's for your soul. It's emotional core strength. And this emotional core strength is is very closely related to being courageous. That last scripture I read, God commands us to be strong and courageous. Now, this thing called fortitude means that even when you're faced with negative emotions like fear or discouragement or timidity, even when that stuff is attacking you, faith and trust 
rises up to take the upper hand. That might not be your first reaction because it's easier to lay back and be timid or not to be bold. But fortitude means you choose to rise up. That thing that's in you, it's in there. But you choose to be bold and let it rise up and take the upper hand. Fortitude is the ability to harness negative emotions like fear, like pain, like disappointment. It's to take that negative thing and and channel it into faith, into power, into authority. On Tuesday nights, I've been teaching a series on fear and or a couple of teachings on fear and the the paradigm shift that i've been meditating on is instead of fighting fear fear should propel us to faith and when fear attacks it should immediately provoke us or propel us into saying but it is written and move into faith that's what fortitude is fortitude is taking this negative emotion The pain, the discouragement, the doctor's report, the frustration, the anger, whatever it is, taking that thing and saying, oh, no, I'm not giving in to you. Instead, that is moving me to God's word. And faith rises up even stronger. That's assertive faith. That's active faith. Fortitude is a fire that burns within us to do what God has called us to do. And to let, that sounds really weird. It's just something I've been meditating on, but I'm believing it's not just for me. If those negative things try to attack, oh, you messed with the wrong lady. Because <laughs> that is just going to say, okay, God, but your word says, and take you higher and stronger than you have ever been before. Wouldn't it be awesome if the devil, you know, he's trying to attack you? He's trying, that's not awesome. But let's say, if he's trying to attack you, and instead of it working, it just takes you to this higher place than you've ever been, and he is trampled so low, and not just under your feet, but under everybody's feet in your family. Whoa, he wouldn't like it. That's where I'm believing all of us are going to go. Okay? So I'm speaking that over you. I'm speaking it over me. I'm speaking fortitude. God says, be strong and be courageous. I'm declaring over me and I'm declaring over you fortitude. That when there are any negative emotions, any fear, any loneliness, any um, timidity, any anger issues, any impatient issues, anything that's negative, instead of it taking you down, it's going to propel you up. Your faith is going to rise. I declare, Father, fortitude. May it just burn in us to the point where we rise up to a new level of courage, a new level of strength. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your power that resides in us. We thank you for the authority that we carry as children of God. We thank you that the enemy is a defeated foe. We thank you that Jesus did it all. And that as we come to know more and more truth, and as we come to know you more and more personally, that we just rise up into a new level of faith and releasing the word that's in us and receiving all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay. Would you-